Matt sort of like kneeling on it and letting it spin him around and everything in the back. And there's other kind of props on it. Yeah. I'm you sorry. giggle at it, but it was actually it looked a lot cooler Madonna. than you think. A little bit. Yeah. It's oh, very gay. Oh, just you wait until <laughs> I get, get to the part gayer? that gets way more Madonna. Okay? okay. Trust me. It gets even more Madonna after okay. this. This is High Decibels. Live music recaps in New York City and beyond. But that's all I'm going to say about it this time. Hey, you people, you're listening to High Decibels, an NYC-based live music podcast. We check out the artists we love at New York City venues and beyond and report back to you. I'm Marlia. And I'm James. And the song that you're listening to is Nocturnal Creatures by Bastille, who I got to see last night, September 24th, at the Hulu Theater underneath MSG, and who we're going to be talking about today. But before that, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and even look for us on Facebook at High Decibels Pod. If you want clips, pics, and more of the shows that we go to, and also maybe give us a little bit of a feedback on how we're doing, and also find us on Apple Pod and uh, Spotify and SoundCloud, as uh, most of these things start off. Yeah, and please uh, give us a rating and a review on any of those platforms. It really helps us out a lot. Thank you so much. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, you know, great show last night. Uh, just to throw that out there before everything kicks off. Um, you know, a couple anecdotes from it, too. I have some good news. Send it. Well, do you remember when I said I went to see the, I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast, but it was the, uh, I always say the word wrong. Is it raconteurs? I always feel like the raconteurs. Raconteurs. I always say the word wrong. But I went there and then I met some people who are supposedly from a band called the Silver Stags. Uh-huh. And I thought that they were punking me and being mean. Um, because they in fact were not because I I looked for them on Instagram and it was like some sort of like Chicago band in the UK and it wasn't clearly wasn't them and I felt like I was in junior high school. Um, I had no I had good reason to think so because they they were saying things like our music is like it's like Dolly Parton it's the NWA. <laughs> It's like, it's like Neil, I don't know what they were saying, just like being weird. Like, it's like, uh, you know, a Coltrane meets Guar, you know? So I was like, this isn't a real band. Well, it just turns out that they um, just get real creative with their spelling. It's two Gs. Oh, so they are. So they are a real band. You guys, you owe me 17 silver stag coins Ah. for my stress. Um, I'm following them. So, you know, I like to talk, you know, kind of like keep an eye out on up and coming bands because, you know, I mean, they're li- these guys are like really, really new. But, mm. you know, who knows? Who knows? We may see them at a so far yeah, someday. So, so are half the openers that we so, talked about. So, uh, fuck you for confusing me. But also, I really like your music. It's really interesting. It reminds me. It's sort of psychedelic in nature. And I mm. like it a lot. So, anyway, uh, moving forward, we are going to talk about your show. Hell yeah. Okay, so get yourself into it. All right, got to get myself into it here. Um, So uh, this might honestly be the biggest band that we've talked about so far, Bastille. Uh, I'm going to throw that out there. Yeah, we'd say that. Um, You know, throw out they have the biggest song in the world around this time last year. Um, So this is going to be one of the first times where I don't really feel like we're going to have to discuss too much about who the main band is? Would they get up? Do you think that they're big enough to have like been on KTU, like a pop station? Uh, pop. they they do get on KTU. Okay, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I mean, um, happier with Marshmallow, who obviously we're going to talk about later, and you know how how would they not play that song? Okay. But that was absolutely massive around December of last year. Um, so you know, uh, I, on the bright side, I don't think we're going to have to get too much into describing who uh, this band is. Uh, so that might save a little bit of crunch time on on this. Well, podcast. yeah, you know what? Though you know, for for the completely out of the loop crowd, just give a, an overview of kind of like where they're from, what the music is like, who's for in sure. the band and stuff. For sure. All right. Um, Bastille uh, is was originally a uh, solo project of one Dan Smith from the UK. Uh, started out releasing a handful of uh, mixtapes essentially on the internet, specifically MySpace, because that was a thing back in 2010 where musicians would be on MySpace. 
Um, eventually realized that he's actually got a talent for it. Found a, uh, another group of guys to include Kyle Simmons, Will. Uh, I'm, I always pronounce this wrong. Will Far Farquharson, like Farquharson, something like that. He has a weird name. Yes, it's, people are gonna mispronounce pronounce Chris, it. I have the same problem. Yeah, for I, sure. I understand. Chris Woody Wood, um, and that that's not it, really his name. They got well. It's the what they call him on stage. Chris Woody, Woody Wood. Woody. Oh, Woody Wood. Woody. Is Chris name? Woody, because his last name is Wood. <sighs> ah, see? Oh, zing. Very clever. On the drums, um, tons of fun. And they make Ba-doom. the main band. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh. they make the main band. Uh, Dan Smith, being the vocalist, uh, is pretty well known as, you know, one of the, the more recognizable voices out oh, there right God. now, yes. we have to say. Um, and just because you asked, yeah, they sort of make an indie pop, the indie pop sound. Um a mixture of there's sometimes there's riff focus, sometimes there's a bit of electronica in it, especially with this last album that they're touring on, Doom Days. Um, you get some of that influence from Marshmallow. We'll obviously get more into it when I go through the set list, but as a quick overview of the band, that's what you could expect from them. If I if I could explain indie pop to people, or like, mm-hmm. well, basically the deal there is that we're talking about music that isn't necessarily heavily processed and mm-hmm. dumbed down and stupid like a lot of pop music is. Um, so it has its complexities, and this guy's uh, a great musician. Um, but I I would venture to say that um, the themes that he takes on and that sort of thing are, are, yeah. are, are yeah, a little bit more complex. And even when he is singing about more basic things like love and that sort of thing in the way that he does it is in, is in a way that is just a little bit more, uh, you know, off the beaten path, mm-hmm. I should say. But the reason why we just, we call it indie pop is because, well, you know, it is a lighter sound. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, I mean, yeah, it's rock, but it's just, it's just, there's a lightness to it and there's an accessibility to mm-hmm. it to where it's really hard for just, I mean, I don't know who wouldn't enjoy a little bit of Bastille playing sure. in the background. It's, it's very accessible, but it's not, super basic like a maroon five or something like that so you know that's kind of like uh what we mean by that in a nutshell for sure for sure um but uh again i i really don't feel like there should be too much introducing bastille they're pretty they're pretty big right now i would say you know they they weren't selling out um msg at this point but i would say if you were to walk down the streets of, I won't say New York because I was going to say Vampire Weekend. New York, most New Yorkers know who Vampire Weekend is. If you were walk through Chicago, say, and grab somebody off the street and ask them who Vampire Weekend is or who Bastille is, I feel like most people would know who Bastille is and half the people would know who Vampire Weekend is. That's what's so interesting is that like Vampire Weekend got like the main MSG and so did Tame Impala, but I think Bastille... Is like more well known, mm, but yeah. I think the reason why Vampire Weekend and Tame Impala got got MSG like the the arena mm. is because they have this huge devoted fan base. For sure, even if it's not quite as spread out as Bastille, like Bastille, Bastille might have. I don't know for sure, but I would bet ah eh, fifty bucks that they've got a song on a commercial somewhere. That's oh, of course they do. Seen. Yeah, of course. Whereas the other two, I, I'm not, I'm not, well, Vampire, Vampire Weekend, Weekend, I think, definitely. does, yeah. uh, but Team Impala, I'm not sure that they've ever, uh, you know, reached that level ah, of commercialism. They were used on a commercial for uh, the show Atlanta because Donald Glover's a big fan. But was it for selling a product? Mm, possibly, but I always found that neat. Yeah. Kind of goes back to that discussion we so. had about how hip-hop artists are really into him. But, okay, we're going off the rails a little anyway. bit. Anyway. Mentioning the venue, uh, now that yeah, we went I'm interested to, to hear about this venue because yeah. I'm not, I, do, I haven't been to it in a very long time, and yeah. when I did, it had a different name. Yeah, um, so I'm not going to lie. Until these tickets got announced, I didn't even fucking know this thing existed. This is the Hulu Theater, currently, as it's known, underneath MSG. Um, I know it had a bunch of other names. I'm not going to rattle them off. Who gives a shit? Right now, it's called the Hulu Theater. Um, it's about, uh, it can hold the capacity of about 5,000 there's 3,000, I believe, seats. So if you're doing a, if you're doing like a play there or some kind of convention, um, and they need that that pit in the front where I was sitting, standing as a general admission kind of person, um, you could fit up to 5,000, but seat about you know 3,000. How did you get in? Okay, so the entrance to get into this is the Seventh Avenue entrance into MSG for just, everyone. For everyone? everybody. Okay. Everybody. 
Um, they're going to take you through. It's the same exact entrance, same exact will call. So you can't You're get all, in 8th Avenue? Not with this one. Okay. Um, at least not as far as I know. Um, they, I was When I looked it up online, it said get in on 7th Avenue. Um, there was two separate ways to go. You, they lead you through the back to actually get into the seats. And then they have to lead you around a separate uh, side to get to the general mission pit area. Um, Sounds like good fellas. Do they take you through the fucking kitchen? Goddamn right. <laughs> Slip them a quick 20 there and uh, they, they bring you right through. Okay. Um, but was it a smooth check-in process with yeah. the tickets and everything? Yeah, absolutely. And what was funny, what actually really fascinates me about uh, MSG and like how well it really can be run is there was a Ranger game going on at the same exact time as no this. No way. Now, okay, preseason game. I'm going to throw that still. out there. Um, but, yeah, the, uh, granted, by the time we got there, the game had started an hour before. Um, so there there was not a, a clash between the two. But it's the same exact entrance that I would go into for a game uh, to walk through right there. Now, the reason we got there a little bit late, I'm going to throw out real quick, is that I got royally fucked by the train gods this time. It happens. Um, so I'm just throwing that out there because my review of the opener is going to be really short because I missed over half of the set, unfortunately. Okay, so we we want to talk about staff and pricing uh, of drinks as well. Okay, staff, pretty, uh, your general MSG staff, they're, you know, they're a little tighter, we will say. Uh, They're going to keep a better eye on you. Um, It's a little, like, if you're the kind of person that wants to vape in the crowd, you know, don't stand near the edges and blow out. If you're going to be in the middle, they're probably not going to rush people down to grab you. But not, like, steal your your cartridge. Not that I saw, at least. Like like Brooklyn Mirage. Not that I saw, at least. So we'll see. Uh, Again, uh, I've never really asked anybody if it's happened to them either. Um, Drink prices are exorbitant. It's Madison Square Garden. What are you going to do? now, with this one, maybe it's just because of where we were in the general admission standing area. I at least only saw one bar, and the line was disgustingly long, so I didn't even bother drinking last Whoa, night. Yeah, Jam- there, was not, James, there wasn't a point. Ladies and gentlemen, James did not drink. Yeah, there, there was not a point, um, especially, because, especially considering I had gotten there late, missed a good chunk of the opener. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't really want to miss more because I, I am a fan of Joy Wave, and I was very disappointed to have missed almost all of their set. Um, sound quality lights quite good uh, I have to say and again uh, it's probably because it's originally designed it's also designed I should say for plays musicals that kind of thing where it's you know particularly important to get everything very very crisp sounding so vocally uh, I must say this is some of the best vocal mixing that I've heard because we always yeah we, we always point always, that out we often find yeah that, that is a problem yeah um, the bigger venues have started to get a lot better but and it helps that well, I, I, it must be pointed out that it's pretty fucking important to get Dan Smith's vocals right. That's, you know, you got to let's admit it. It's 60 percent of the reason everybody comes to these to, oh. to see this band. You guys, if you don't know Bastille and I, I am certain be there are at least people don't. that I know. No, there are people that I know that be like, I don't really know them. Um, yeah. Then please, you play Pompeii. Please, please, please listen to this band. Oh my God, his vocals are gorgeous. Okay, last like pre-opener thing. Shoot, crowd. So I found for the most part the crowd to be uh, just fine, except for the three finance bros that were me behind me and our buddy Drake, who came to this. Shout out Drake, stood behind us for a little while and chatted through the first like twenty minutes of the set until we all kind of separated. Bastille set. Yeah, in a moment, in a moment that I won't talk about now. The uh, you know, the particular song where Dan Smith does a particular thing. Uh, Jake and I took our chance to separate ourselves from these, um, you know, gentlemen. We'll say, but they I'll were annoying get into as fuck. That later. Oh, I'm sorry. That yeah. sucks. They probably got those tickets for free. It's uh, they were singing along too, so they were clearly there as fans. It just boggles my mind why anybody would take a sixty dollar ticket and oh, by the way, the twenty dollars they were paying for drinks and fucking talk the entire time. If you do this, I I hate you. Please burn in hell. I see this all the time. Every concert. I went to see. It's 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 uh, escaping me right now. It's like this real. Uh, oh god I can't remember his name but he sings this song Los Angeles I know I've played it for you before hmm. um, the point is is this is a singer songwriter who just sits at the piano and it's real quiet and you've ever been to Joe's Pub I can't say I have okay it's like going to City Winery or whatever ah, was City that Winery. I, have I don't know what's ha- going on with City Winery. I guess they're relocating. Oh, but really? I didn't know that. Yeah, that location's done. 
Um, but they're relocating. There's some problem with that um, uh, Tribeca location. They're relocating it to the Hudson Yards or whatever. Hmm. But um, that intimacy was the, is is Joe's pub, and these chicks just like yammered through the whole, through the entire thing. I was just like, Why what even are come you here? Doing? Why even come? Why are you here? Why pay the money for the ticket? Why pay the extra money for the for the drinks? A bar is easier for you to talk to. Right. The drinks are cheaper. You're not paying attention. I'll anyway. never understand it. And then they, they do you know how expensive Joe's Pub drink prices are? It's like it's like fifteen dollars <laughs> for a martini. It's like what are you doing here? Unbelievable. I'll never understand. But you know what? It happens. Okay. You know what? We're gonna put out a PSA, pro tip, whatever you yeah. like to call it. Don't don't do that. Yeah. If the artist is on stage, then shut the fuck up. Unless it's fucking necrotic. Okay, well, that's kind of reasonable. But the thing is, it's like it was the main <laughs> act. And even Joy Wave. Even Joy Wave Unless had it. Unless it's psychedelic first. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was rough, too. Okay, uh, all right. We're, yeah, okay, we're, we're being we're We're being... We're being us. Yeah. But the point is, is, like, in general, it's like, if the performance is, like, objectively good, cut that shit out. Yeah. And if you paid okay. fucking money to be there, why would, anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to stop and move okay. on from it. We're um, going. All right. So we, overall, the crowd was fine, except for those guys. And, and demographic. A good spread. They're poppy enough to have a, you know, a little bit of everybody. Age range. Yeah. Uh, there was, there was, yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Um, there was a good amount of like parents there. Um, probably the, probably Were the cutest one was, yeah, it was like this dad with his like probably 12 year old, year old son. Uh, son was singing along to every word and the dad was really enjoying it too. Uh, one of the last songs, which I hope I remember to mention this, but I guess I'll throw it out now. Um, the song that they close their official set out on before the quote unquote encore, which again, we'll get into. Well, you'll get to that. They were, you know, the dad threw his arm over the son and they were jumping the whole time. It was a sweet moment. It was, it was really nice Have to you ever see. like had a moment like that at a concert with your parents? Cause I really haven't. Um, the only concerts my... I've ever been to with my parents were Leonard Skinner and Deep Purple. Sick concerts, by the way. But it wasn't like that. No. All right. We need to change that. <laughs> we need to like get our parents to into some cool music and bring them to a show. Yeah. I'm going to consider that a High Decibels podcast like squad goal. Oh, there. You, yeah, okay. we'll do one massive three-hour podcast about it. Just one of us has to get a parent to come to a <laughs> one show. One of us needs a parent. And and to a show, to a band that they didn't n- realize they would like so much. Mm. Or conversely... My dad's tough because I played him Black Keys once and he thought that Dan Auerbach's voice was like too high, too much, like a poor um, falsetto what when I played Tame him Impala? Everlasting Light. Did you play him Tame Impala? I have not. Okay, well, we're we're gonna make this work. Yeah. Okay, so uh, actually, my dad likes the Fratellis. Okay. Believe it or a, not, make a that's note of, that's when I should know. Make yeah. a note of that. Anyway, and then we're digressing an awful lot here, but whatever. It's it's a good it's a good chat. So I'll get into um, old Joy Wave uh, quick quickly here. This is gonna be short because, like I said, unfortunately, I only caught the last like four songs. So we're gonna start with uh, the song "Tongues" by Joy Wave. Which uh, is my personal favorite one by them, and I actually luckily got there just in time to hear them play it. Uh, so hopefully that's playing on on the background uh, underneath this right now. Um, that's one of their better known songs. Oh, where's Joy Wave from? Joy Wave is from uh, Miss Marley here's hometown of Rochester, New York. For those who don't know. What Nick Tahoe's? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much all. I'm actually. All I, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all for Garbage it though. Play. <laughs> Honestly, not That's impressed by them. That's what I miss them. about Rochester. Anyway, go on. So they are from uh, Rochester, upstate New York, and you know I'm always down to shout out any New York band, not just New York City. You know I've grown up in this state. I've lived in several parts of it, and I always like to find bands from different parts of the state to champion. Uh, we got tickets to Ra Ra Riot coming up too. That's another band I from upstate. So shout out to uh, shout out to our New York bands out here. But uh, to not digress from that, uh, Joy Wave consists of Daniel Armbruster, who is the original member of it, and also spent some time on Big Data, which is where their first break came I from. I need to look that up because mm-hmm. the Armbrewsters are kind of like, okay, when I say I'm from Rochester, I'm really from a small town outside of Rochester. Just close enough that nobody knows it, so you just say Rochester. I just say Rochester <laughs> because no one's ever heard of my town. But the point is, is the Armbruster thing... Uh, we have arm roosters in my hometown. Like the woman was like, like the town, um, 
journalist or historian or something. We'll oh. look that up while yep. you're talking. Find out if her uh, son's a musician. Um, this is a crazy. Okay, who yeah. else is in the band? Well, uh, so I'll throw out real quick though. Daniel Armbruster was an original member of the band Big Data. Um, Big Data is more electronic focus. He wants to go more rock focus. So split off, but did a uh, their first official song with uh, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, one of their first songs as Joy Wave was the uh, song Dangerous, which they made with Big Data, um, and that has been their biggest song for the longest time still. Um, incredible song, by the way. So the band really started in 2010. Uh, it also consists of Joseph Marinello, Kevin Mahoney, Paul Brenner, and Benjamin Bailey. Um, it says, I'm looking on online, that there's a bunch of past members. Uh, I couldn't find anywhere, though, as to when you know, certain members came and certain members went, uh, you know, the band's about 10 years old. It's not, they're not big enough, like, uh, like, uh, the shins to have this whole tracker of who's been where and when kind of thing. Um, they're, uh, sort of indie rock, alt rock, and a little bit of indie tronica in there. You know, they got a, they got a good amount of that electronic, uh, basis in it. And they, uh, are pretty well known, uh, for doing collaborations with a lot of other artists, specifically big data vice grips cops uh k-o-p-p-s all capitalized i don't actually know them but uh they make a bunch of songs with them uh two albums out and um as i'll mention in a little bit they are dropping another album soon and they're gonna do a headliner tour and uh if if we're my intent is uh if and when they come through new york to go to that show and then we could talk about it on the podcast because uh quick digression here as i said i missed most of this set the last chance that i had to see um, Joy Wave opening for a bunch of bands was it was Joy Wave, Cold War Kids, and then Young the Giant and was he Young? Yeah, Young the Giant. Um, and I again got fucked by the Train Gods and came in on the last song of Joy Wave and missed them completely. So now it's just two chances that I've had to see these guys and just missed out on it. So when they come through, hopefully I I fix that. Maybe that's just a thing with you and Rochester based things. Who knows? Apparently, yeah. I just not that cool anyway. You you heard here, folks. Hey, um, George Eastman. Song, George Eastman. The songs that I caught were um, Tongues, obviously, which I, again is my favorite personal song by them. Their song Destruction. It's a Trip, which is actually their biggest song. I believe it was used on a commercial somewhere. Um, it has become their biggest song uh, over Dangerous, which was their big breakout hit. Um, that's the one with all the listens to on Spotify right now. Like couple i think like 50 million or something like that they're big enough to have quite a few streams um but obviously not huge they're still opening for a bunch of bands and they're about to do probably their biggest headliner tour soon um and then they closed off with the song obsessions which uh i'd like to play underneath this i do have i did catch a clip of that and that's a brand new song uh that they just started playing and that is going to be released on this album coming up um which i think they mentioned um is going to be called obsessions uh and I have to say, very good song on top of it. Um, all of their music is, um, you know, it's right up my alley. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm crazy for them, like a, a passion pit or something like that. But as a whole, uh, it's just a good quality alt indie rock band. Did you feel like the vocal mix was strong on this as well? Yeah, for in sure. Terms of the, the house. Yeah, absolutely. Daniel Armbruster does have a pretty damn good voice. Uh, you know, uh, not as like... You know, you're talking Dan Smith sounds almost polished the whole time. His sounds almost like REM kind of um, more on that that side of the vocal spectrum, if you know what I mean. I don't know. To me, REM, just Michael Stipe just sounds whiny. Okay. I wouldn't say that far to go whiny, but he's got that, um, you know, that, that alt kind of almost indie kind of voice there. I'm probably describing that terribly. But okay. We'll so go he's not it. as much of a, like, listen, if Dan Smith wanted to be. He could be a crooner. Yeah, absolutely. He's not like that. This Let's guy put it that is way. not that. That's a good his, way to put it, for sure. His voice is more sh- thin. Yeah, okay. Less I guess rich. you could say that. I guess you could say that for sure. And I don't mean that. I don't mean that as a dig. Yeah. I just mean it in terms of you know a straight up vocal quality. Absolutely. Because I think that they're. Uh, I actually like Michael Stipe's voice because when I say whiny, what I. That sounds like a, a a criticism, but in reality, sometimes I Just feel a, a little bit a little bit whiny, and so I want to hear some, <laughs> and I want to sing along to a kind of whiny song. And I Damn be it! Like, Not feel bad. Like sometimes uh, I need that for sure. So, uh, so it's not a criticism, but I was just curious in terms of like what his uh uh how do I say like 
how what his vocal quality was. You know Quite what I'm good. Like yeah. What, what, what the, the mixing um, was good. The mixing was good. Yeah. Okay, but his sort of his vocal character, you would say, was just like a little bit more. Actually, thin. now that it just came to me, his is a brighter, whereas you know Dan Smith's is kind of darker. Let's D- put D- it that Dan way. does have a, a darker yeah, quality to his for voice. For sure. Okay. Darker, smoother. Got his it. is kind of brighter, but also less refined. Let's put it that way. That might be a better way to Got put it. it. Now that now that I'm really kind of thinking on it. Um, but you know, uh, on top of it all, it's a very energy. They're a very energetic band. They got a lot of rock qualities to them with that indie tronic kind of feel to it. Uh, you know, it's got that sort of rock sound to it, but it, it feels like it should be a lot mellower than it is. If you get what I'm saying, if you ever listen to their stuff, cause they're, they got a good, like rhythmic, almost dancey kind of thing going to going with them underneath, but they never quite get to that point of dancey. Um, and they, they never go too hard on the rock either, but lots of energy up there. They're all up there, which I caught, uh, this, uh, just a thing that they do. They all wear like these bright yellow shirts, uh, like neon yellow that have like, um, like bands coming across them, reflect reflective bands. And I don't know, it looked really cool in the lights. I'll throw that out there. So that's, that's kind of one of their signature. I looks. like matching outfits. Yeah. I've loved yeah. them ever since high school jazz ensemble. <laughs> Those were polo shirts. It wasn't quite as good, but I love them. I love it. Do you know who used to do that? Just, I'm sorry, I'm digressing, but like, uh, the hives. Uh, the hi- how did you know I was going to say that? I'm reading the book about <laughs> all that How kind of music. How did you know I was going to say the hives? It. They mentioned it. I was yeah. getting confused for a second. I was like, wait, so the hives or the vines? Because I was like, the hives. Yeah, it was, it was hives. the hives. hives. That's weird. Yeah, that shout out. That I was going to say that. Shout out to the book, uh, Meet Me in the Bathroom by Lizzie Goodman. It's really I love good. matching outfits. Okay, go on. I, I actually just got through a part with them. That's why they were on oh, my Oh, Lucius does it too. Uh um, so, uh, like I said, that's that's all I'm really going to say about Joy Wave. I, I'm disappointed that I missed them again. Um sorry you know it's going against the don't miss the opener thing but sometimes the train guides uh shine upon you and sometimes the train guides frown upon you because they very the point much is frown he upon tried me. and you should try yes too. yes very much um and i look forward to seeing them in the future um really very much so uh, this isn't again. These guys are like decently big, though. This isn't like an underground brand, band that we're breaking. I would say, as as far as an indie band goes, they're well known enough that I don't need to. I don't know. Wax poetically on them. They're pretty well known. They're decently well known at this point. I would say, and probably getting a lot of fans because they're touring with a band as big as Bastille is right now. So, so you're saying you you like them enough to see them as a headliner? Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. So, you know, if that sounds interesting to any of you, check them out. Let's throw that out there. Now, um, let's talk about Bastille a little bit. Uh, do you want to wax poetically on them a little bit before I get into it, your feelings on them? Because I feel like I, I know once we start going through the set list, it's going to be mostly me. So here's your chance. Okay. So uh, I have had the pleasure of seeing Bastille in the past. It was a uh, thank you, Garbage Truck, for that added um, element to our soundtrack here. Um, I saw them last winter at a, a, uh, what was that really music festival? Call it a concert. festival. It was, a, was it a festival? It was really a concert. A one-day kind of festival. It was called Not So Silent Night. Hell yeah. And this was probably, I mean, it's really hard to say what's the best, but it's definitely the top five concerts that I've ever been to. I mean, considering the lineup, it has to be. Yeah. Let's real quick break down through the lineup. We saw it. AJ, AJR um, sucked. Sorry. Yeah, they weren't that Sound great. Sound real bad. Um, churches, who Loved. I don't think. Yeah, I'm a big fan of them. Uh, Mike Shinoda, which neat, but felt really, really out of place. I liked, I liked more than you did. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not gonna say I didn't like it. It just felt super out of place. I like um, him. I like that. Where'd you go? Yeah. Best Bastille, obviously, Bastille. who was one of the big standouts there. Foster the people which I had wanted to see since high school, and I finally got to see Pumped Up Kicks Live, and it was incredible. Um, Death Cab for Cutie. Florence and the Machine. My, oh, here we go. My beloved dancing fairy princess that is Florence Welsh, <sighs> looking like an absolute goddess on stage as always. Anyway. And then, closing out, the last set was of Muse. So, yeah. humble brag, uh, we saw that show, and you probably didn't, so suck it. That was amazing. That was at the Barking Center. Anyway, I saw Bastille there. So I have seen Bastille in concert, and I really enjoyed uh, that performance thoroughly. Um, 
you know, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, this really brought out my basic bitch self. And I was very much enamored with Dan Smith. I have been just from seeing like videos of him and such, but he truly is uh, an incredible front man. He, when we talked about this um, in a prior episode, when we uh, talked about Pond, I may not have released it at the time of this recording, but it's coming. Um, where the kind of front men, uh, and Tim Booth is also in this category, that really make you feel like you're a part of things. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Where you really feel like you're being spoken Engage to. with. Do you know what I mean? Like they make you feel, they're like Donald Trump, they make you feel important. And um, Dan Smith uh, really took it to a next level in terms of getting out into the crowd and that sort of thing. And, and, and vocally he's very much on point. I can tell that this is a guy who's just like not drinking like, you know, a fifth of Jack as he wants to. I, I, I don't know him obviously. Um, but I get the sense that he's very disciplined. I can't imagine how he could have a voice like he does without it. And he seems to really like prioritize his art. Lots of honey and tea. Yeah. And taking care of his voice and he sounded absolutely gorgeous um and uh yeah i i i I loved seeing them um what song were we gonna open with with this because i i want to oh yeah i guess i kind of said that i was going to say that and then we i'll let you digress there um quarter past midnight is the song that they opened with um so i figured i'd I'd start that way so let's uh quarter past midnight is off their brand new album a couple months old doom days which they're touring uh, in support of right now. So most of the songs that I'm going to be talking about were off Doom Days, but uh, it was a 20-song set, so they played a handful from their other two albums as well. Um, you got a little bit of everything. They definitely played the big hits as uh, on top of it all. So It looked like, uh, from what I saw in Satellite FM, that it was like pretty much half of doom days and then the, oh the yeah other half was like their older right stuff. Okay. yeah a handful of the older stuff from each albums okay. um obviously they played happy and then they played that song i always happier oh, i mean that, that I, was the next song after uh, um no 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 i'm just throwing out there that yeah, they no, included just go that the for me. all right yeah no good good job stopping me on that all right so we started off quarter past midnight uh which is uh like i said off their earliest song doom day or uh, latest album doom days now um, the set behind them, I have to uh, inclu- include real quick. It was very, very, uh, had a lot going on with it. So during this song, there was, there's this like rotating dais that was going on the entire time behind him. So during this song, uh, Dan Smith was on that sort of like kneeling on it and letting it spin him around and everything in the back. And there's other kind of props on it. Yeah. I'm you sorry. giggle at it, but it was actually, it looked a lot cooler Madonna. than you think. A little bit. Yeah. It's oh, very gay. Oh, <laughs> Just you wait until Does I get, get to the part gayer? that gets way more Madonna. Okay? okay, trust me, it gets even more Madonna after this. Okay. Not that I'm complaining about it, but it does get very Madonna. Um, but also, okay, also in between songs, it starts with the, there's this timer sort of in the top corner of the screen in the back, this clock that's going off. And after each song, it's changing the time on it. And uh, as Dan described throughout the set, I'm going to put it all now because I can't remember what he said exactly this is before on our which Instagram, songs. Right? Oh, yeah. I got a highlight of that on there. Um, you could see I, you could probably catch it. It's not always up during the songs, though, and I didn't necessarily record anything between songs. He had a tendency to chat a little bit and explain that uh, part of the uh, thing with this album is that they wanted to. They wanted to make an album that was about like a uh, the concept more or less behind it was that it's like a, a night where you're out having a really good time and partying. <gasps> That's very clever. So uh, they had the clock up there and he specifically said at one point during the set um, around halfway through in a song that I'll talk about later because it's got a specific name to it. Wait, tell that, us at that point. At this, Yeah, I know. Trust me, I will. Uh, but for the entire thing, he said this early on, uh, the entire thing for the album is supposed to be about from midnight until eight in the morning when you're finally like your night's finally done so this cl- timer uh mostly between songs is it's ticking up the entire time you know it's like it's so fucking ha- cool yeah halfway That's through so it's four o'clock and by the end of it it was eight o'clock I love kind of it. thing I love um, it. just wanted to mention that before i forgot so obviously that goes along with the name quarter past midnight which is why they they open with that it's not the opener on their album but um 
Uh, they did open with that. So then they go with Send Them Off, which is off their second album, which I'm forgetting the name of right now. So if you give me one second. Um, Wild World, that's correct. Um, which, not going to lie, uh, not my favorite of their albums. I'll, I'll throw that I out I love now. that album. You really? I, I don't know. It, it didn't It didn't speak to me as much as like Bad Blood did. That you know, I was like right in college when that came out. I listened to that one an awful lot. And this latest one, I, I really, really, Doom Days, I really, really love. So I'm not going to say I dislike Wild World, but of their three, it's it's the bottom for me. Uh, but Send Him Off, very good song. Um, nothing that particularly stood out for that. Then he played Things We Lost in the Fire, which is off their first album and is one of the, uh, wait, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, one of the songs that I initially got into them for uh, after hearing that. Um, they go to Nocturnal Creatures, um, which I played earlier as the intro. Uh, Nocturnal Creatures is another song off of their latest album, Doom Days. And this is sort of going along with the theme of, you know, we're, go- we're out. We're out at night. We're Nocturnal Creatures because we're going out partying and that kind of thing. And this is also, uh, I believe, around the time where he mentioned, hey, we wanted to make this album about, like, going out and partying, but we're Bastille, so of course it's fucking depressing still. still. By depressing, you mean Dan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, And there's a better joke that comes later on that I'll get to at the song. But for, I guess, I, if you've never, if you know Bastille, but have never actually, like, if you're just the kind of person that just listens to the song and bounces around to it and never bothered to, like, listen to the lyrics... Yeah, they're all, like, actually really fucking depressing. Like, they're all about doom and gloom and, like, you know, the shallowness of going out to party and everything like that. And so he's, you know, he specifically was, like, calling himself out on it. He's like, yeah, I don't know. We wanted to make this upbeat, like, ravey album, and it kind of sounds that way, but it's also fucking depressing. He kept well, he saying disguises the whole time, it through upbeat music. Yeah, and yet, and and yet his lyrics. voice is not, like, uh, an upbeat voice. I don't know. It's just, uh, it's it's neat. You know, you yeah. know, I'll say that. I like the contrast. hundred percent. I'm I'm always here for it. Uh he played the song The Waves, Two Evils, and then of course we get to Happier, um, which, you know, like we mentioned, this time last year was just the biggest fucking hit in the world. That is a song that he did with um EDM producer Marshmallow, um, and it's uh, uh it was really Dan Smith and Marshmallow, it wasn't really the best deal, but you know, whatever, we digress here. Um, so they did a, a version of that, which we did got to hear during um, Not So Silent Night, if you recall that, when it was like, even the even the guy that introduced them, the MC that introduced them, was like, these guys are the biggest hit in the world right now, Bastille, and they uh, came out playing playing that one. So it's kind of funny because it says cover here on Setlist FM, and you know it's it's not. He fucking wrote the song, but um, I don't think I got to describe that too much. It's a good mix of rock and like EDM and, uh, you know, so that sort of like build up into a drop instead of an actual chorus kind of thing. Um, it's not the best drop in the world, but it's a good song. And fuck you for that music video, by the way. It was not necessary. Um, next song. Did you ever watch it? No. The dog dies at the end. <laughs> well, I don't want to see it. Don't. It's just like it's just pulling out your heartstrings for absolutely no reason. Anyway, they go from happier to bad decisions, which is again off Doom Days, and actually, I, I, I'd probably argue it's my favorite song off that album. Just the whole idea behind it, and again, it's you know, it's the concept of you're going out having a good time, and now here's a song where you, you know, while you're having a good time, totally fuck up. And I picked up on that pretty early listening to it. I'm like, oh yeah, that, you know, describes an awful. Oh my god, literally me. Yeah, lol, omg, I sound like I'm on Tumblr. Um, but what was neat about this one is he actually brought Dan Armbruster from uh, uh, Joywave up to sing along with him. So that was really, really nice. How did it sound like those two voices together? It was pretty. It was pretty interesting actually because uh, they were able to harmonize together. Dan Armbruster took like one of the um, one of the what's the word? Um, I want to say melodies, but that verses because uh, I'm just having a total brain fart right now. Took one of the verses completely, um, and then they sang the, a chorus together. Um, they were clearly like enjoying themselves, having a good time. I, I, I'll throw out Dan Smith just seems like a really nice guy and was like supportive of everybody around him. It would have been more Madonna if they'd kissed at the Yeah, end. right. They, I'm, I'm guessing they did. And you're going, if only. I'm guessing they didn't. If only. Oh, and now we get to any, like he did this during the show that we uh, saw at Not So Silent Night. I think you know what I'm talking about now. Yeah. It was absolutely electric that night. It was absolutely electric last night when he did it. Every time he sings the song Flaws, he goes out into the crowd for the entire song and walks the entire crowd. He came through. Yeah. 
walks the entire crowd as he's singing the verse, and when he gets to the chorus, he'll find a place. Everybody will Drake circle around him. Oh, he thought it was great. Absolutely. Well, I'll mention what Drake said to me at the end. I won't put words into his mouth, but he ended up having a really good time at this show, and he specifically said, although he mentioned that, um, he said that bad decisions, because he's like, we were talking about our favorite parts, and he said, oh, you know, that part where he was in the crowd was great. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Flaw is one of the best songs. And he goes, yeah, but I remember that song before really stood out to me. And I really liked that one a lot. Bad Decisions. Drake, that was the one, if you're listening to this, I, I couldn't <laughs> remember last night what it was. Um, so that one, that's the one that you need to listen to, Bad Decisions. So anyway, he comes out and sings Flaws, which is uh, one of the his earliest, uh, one of their earliest hits off of their first album, Bad Blood. Um, and as I mentioned, is in the crowd the entire time. None of this like stepping in like 10 feet into the crowd. Oh, no, no. Dan Smith walks the entire crowd wow. while he's doing this. Um, absolutely just a ton of fun. He gets to the chorus and everybody kind of circles around him and, and jumps along with him. It's around that time when I noticed that uh, the flooring there was very spongy. I guess is the best way to put oh, it. Oh, I love a spongy yeah. floor. Yeah, isn't, isn't that neat when you when you kind of get that when you're jumping and it's a, it feels like resistant and it doesn't feel like you're cracking your ankles every time you leave. Yeah, no, I have some give to it. It's, I mean, yeah. it's probably like what do they call it? Like joices underneath the some floor, sh- something like that, which, right. which is basically like what is used for um, dance studios to right. have some give, so that right, so that you don't feel like you're dancing on concrete. Right. Like now, that's good. That's a good s- thing. So he comes out, does flaws, does this whole thing in the crowd. Like I said, absolutely electric. Look for it if and when you ever get the opportunity to see Bastille. It really is an absolute ton of fun. Then he goes back on stage, and because nobody was looking on stage, very clever of them, um, everybody was looking at Dan in the crowd. Nobody had noticed that on that spinning dais that they had up there, they had brought a couch. Okay. So uh, very clever to use that as their distraction, first of all. So he gets up there and uh, starts singing the song Those Nights. And that's a more, you know, lower key kind of song. It's not the, uh, you know, jump up along like Flaws, even though, you know, Flaws is still a depressing as fuck was song. He like, was, he, was, was he like languid on the couch? Yeah. Like an 18th century so courtesan? Here would be the part where it gets <laughs> even more Madonna. He <laughs> throws on a hoodie. <sighs> And it's just like laying across. You don't want to say lounging. It's almost like, you know, you laying across like, you know, your super stone friend that's really consigned to, to their lot in life right now. How fancy was on. this couch? It was like a ratty couch with oh, duct tape. Couch. Yeah, that's perfect. Duct tape on it that said Doomsday, Doomsday on the back. And the whole time he's doing chaise. this. Okay, this is way better. The whole time he's doing this, it was spinning. It was, I don't know. It was a really neat like kind of effect that went along with the song. Uh, with what he's singing about of like those nights where you know you just you 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 feel off you want to do something but you just you feel off with it um then it hits the song 4am and i believe this is the time uh during this song 4am is another one off the latest album um oh by the way the little clock on the top is now 4am because we're halfway through the set no kidding yeah so it's traveling along the whole time he brings up uh this singer who i for the life of me i couldn't hear what he said her name was and I've been digging around and I can't find her. So if anybody was there that night or knows who I'm talking Happy about, who this singer is, uh, she's got a hell of a voice. I have to say it's pretty unique. It's kind of like Dan's in that it it's almost like, you know, almost down downer. You know what I mean? Although she's got like a really good range. It's got that sort of deeper core to it um and she sang along a richness a richness you sure you could say that um she sang along both on uh some backup and she did a couple of the verses with it and this whole time they're both sitting on the couch just sort of lounging off each other as it's spinning while they're singing along is this on the instagram i hope Uh, i did catch well no actually i was not able to catch a good video of it just because of where our vantage point was the uh, keyboard was just in the way of it the whole time. I honestly didn't even get a good look at it, which I was, I specifically was like, you know, I didn't want to lose my spot or anything like that because otherwise it was a really good spot. But yeah, I was not able to get a good, good catch of that, to be honest. Um, but, you know, hell of a moment there. I'll, I'll throw that out there. So they stayed on. Uh, she sang, she kept singing with them for a good couple more songs. Um, after 4 a.m. is World Gone Mad. Um, and then you get to Doom Days, which is the uh, obviously the uh, namesake of this album coming out. Uh, it's kind of a lower key, shorter song. Um, he got he 
sort of chatted with the crowd a little bit here, got a little bit political with it, because, uh, you know, obviously the, 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 you could tell from the title of this song, it's about, you know, the world going to shit. And he specifically was like, yeah, honestly, we wrote this as like a piss take on all of ourselves sitting here, like acting like we're going to change the world, but we can't get off our phones and like never do anything about it. And, you know, uh, before that, he mentions because we have the U.N. General Assembly going on and had the climate march and um, Boris Nelson, whatever. Is that his name? Boris Nelson? I always forget it. The prime minister of uh, England. He's in town. You know, Trump's around and everything. So he basically took two minutes to vent on that and then got into the song. Um, that was the only moment of that. So and I'm not going to lie. I'm the kind of person that I'm not really interested in going to a show if somebody's going to be spouting off politics the whole time. I go there to get away from it. Oh, you but, still would have gone. But if well, what I'm saying is, is like if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna throw two minutes of it into it, get get it out of your system. Go ahead. It's your it's your show. You know what I mean. But it's like I don't. I like Ted Nugent's music. I have no interest in having him rant to me about politics the entire time. You know what I mean. Same with like Green Day. I actually don't like Green Day's music at all. I don't like, fucking like Green Day. Uh, controversial opinion. We might just lose the two followers that we have. I don't like Green Day, and I especially don't want to hear his fucking opinions on the world right now. But two followers don't go anywhere. Oh, I God. like Green Dye, yeah, but think, not American Idiot. I think you're, yeah. There, <laughs> um, anyway, to go all, along with it, that is a really good song. There is a part in it. It's like, I think I'm addicted to my phone. You know what I mean? And it's mostly like uh, an almost sarcastic viewing of himself or like the kind of person that is in the world today of like, you know, oh, you know, the world is falling apart around us. But, you know, here I am on my phone tweeting about it. How fucking useful am I kind of thing, which I actually really respect because that's something I rant about quite a bit as, you know, this slacktivism that goes on. And he got to make a song about it. And, you know, it's essentially like he said in his very British way, it's a piss take on all that kind of thing. Um, and, and calling himself out on being just like that. Is and a I, piss take a hot take? No, a hot take's a hot take. A piss take is when you're you know, making fun of somebody about it, taking the mm. piss on somebody, taking the piss on, on it or whatever it is. I don't know. You, any, any Brits out there can correct me on that. Um, goes from doom days to blame to a uh, great song. Don't get me wrong, but then it gets to joy, which is uh, actually the last song on their doom days album. So I expected it when he played it to uh, close out the set there. I was wrong, but still a really good song. Um, kind of a sing along and the, you know, the, the clock didn't count it, but on the album, it being the last song, it feels like that eight o'clock, the sun's up kind of thing, you know? So it is a more upbeat song, but you know, as he mentioned several times, it's in his own words, depressing as fuck still, even though the song's called joy. Um, after that, that's when that singer came off the stage. Again, uh, she had an incredible fucking voice. I really wish I could figure out and find out what her name is. He did mention that she is a local, so she is somewhere in New York. It's strange that this is so obscure and hard to find. I just, I don't know what it is. I'm Googling. I'm looking mm, online. Yeah. It doesn't say anything on Setlist FM for the life of me. I even sat here in front of you and Googled backup singer on, female backup singer on Bastille's latest album. But I don't know if she was the one to do it, but she sure as hell sounded like it, and it's a pretty unique voice. Um... After Joy, Another Place, and then Good Grief. Um, Wait, you got to talk about that song because you know it's my favorite. Okay, well, tell me why you like it so much. <sighs> There's a lot of reasons why I like this song so Go much. Go on. Um, it just... You know what I really like? It's just how sad the song mm -hmm. is, but it's like masked with this happy, upbeat, yeah beat melody a bastille song you mean but it's the best one because it's just you think so you'd argue it's it's i think so because it's just like a, a simplicity to it as well it's just like you know every minute of every hour i miss you i miss mm. you i miss you more oh I by mean, the way this of course was the moment where all the couples turned to sing to each other which I don't was. get because that song is about yeah because nobody actually knows what the songs are about they just know what the hook is the song is is not about two people that want to be singing to each other yeah. the song is about one person who is singing to someone who is looking in the other direction yeah like that's a song that you sing to your your ex your unrequited you, you boom box out the window yes yeah. you know what I'm saying or someone that you're trying to win back 
And there's so much pain in that. Like, that's the thing is like, I don't understand couples singing it to each other because when you're both on the same page, you're happy. Yeah. And this isn't a happy song. This is a heartbreaker of a song. This is longing. And I don't know that it's necessarily even about romantic love. It could very well be about someone who's deceased. Sure. Who is a a family. valid interpretation. Yeah. Or a friend or something like that. And just, just like, he has this line like... He, he goes into his fell side. He's like, watching through my fingers. Oh, I almost like, forgot. That's right. Yeah, he got everybody to uh, sing that part. That was the big crowd involvement moment, too, was any time that part came on, he'd point to the crowd and everybody right. would go in. And, yeah. and, and it's not happy. It's like it's that. like I'm trying to, I mean, if you really want a good analysis of this, like I highly recommend going to the site Genius, which does mm. a pretty good job at analyzing lyrics. Um, but the idea is like something is so painful that it's like if you like if you see a horror movie and you're watching through your fingers, you know, because it's so terrifying what's yeah. coming next. But it, sometimes it feels that way in real life where it's just like this is so hard and so unbearable to deal with that it's like it feels like watching through your fingers that you can only sure. take what's happening to you in little bits. Little bits. Oh, shit. <laughs> but yeah, the song is just about that concept of not necessarily letting grief hit you all in one shot because it's too much but just letting it in little bit by little bit as much as you can handle in the moment and I think that that's a really beautiful thing because I think a lot of the times I know I'm waxing poetic here but this is this is my truly my favorite song by them I think a lot of times we're just like we either like try to skate over things or we try to take it all in at once. We just want to get it over with. And grief doesn't always work that way. It does it, it like hardly, if you can get over, if you can get over something that easily, then you didn't care about it that much to begin with is my opinion, you know, and this is uh, something that it, you're truly grieving over that you have lost, whether it's a person or, or uh, anything like some, a place or something, a function of your body part. Like it, it's in stages, and I love that that's acknowledged in this song. I don't know how it was set up. I actually should have kind of mentioned this before with the song Another Place. So we're talking about the whole, you know, uh, midnight to 8 o'clock in the morning kind of thing, right? Wait, what time does this happen? So this is uh, about 6 in the morning. Ouch. Here. So oh, here's, sunrise. here's what happened around Another Place that I actually, I should have mentioned, I even wrote a note down and kind of skipped over, so I'm going to backtrack here a little bit. Apparently, Another Place is a song about a one-night stand. Uh, and one of the, uh, I think it was Woody, the drummer, goes, you know, this is a song, and it's a song about a one-night stand. And then the, I believe the bassist goes, yeah, you know, if you want to make a one-night stand depressing, just have Dan write it. And then Dan goes. Is that of the night? Okay. That's, no, Another Place. Um, oh, right before the Yes, song. right before. So he goes, you want to make it depressing, just have Dan write it. And then probably the best line of the whole thing, he goes, Dan just goes, or just have Dan part as part of it. So then they go through another place, and then they go into Good Grief, which basically he was like, and then, you know, after a song like that, this song is Good Grief, is about you, you know, working through all the, the shit that you just did and all the mess-ups that you just had kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So, you know, he was really good at tying all of the music in together as he goes. That's so now, cool. During this song, um, going along with everything you had just mentioned before, um, he sort of starts off, there's this TV that had been behind the drummer the whole time. This like, uh, almost like the TV you used to like see wheeled into the classroom kind of thing, like one of those kind of old box TVs. Um, and he sits down next to it during the beginning of the song and on the screen is, uh, and also reflected on the big screen behind them, is this woman's face who does the uh, backing vocals of that song. Which one? Uh, of uh, Good Grief. Oh, right. Yes. Or, yeah, that's what's so interesting yes. about it is because the song is so sad and she's just like, so what would you little maniacs like to do first? He's like, if yeah. you want to be a party animal, you know what I mean? Right, it's exactly. Just like, Get your head it's, out of your ass it's and just going, deal. It's going from, you know, just this one night stand that he can't, you know, just accept and be happy about to now it's you know getting berated for it and singing this song about feeling basically feeling bad and having any kind of grief and yeah in, like relax in calm the down. way in the way he set it up it's because of this this one night stand so um that was like a neat thing nobody came out to like sing the backing vocals i had this recording for it and this this woman's face enlarged on the background to sing the whole thing gorgeous play through get through the song fantastic very very well done great song there now, that technically closed out the set. Uh, they did something that 
we see occasionally where the band goes, hey, listen, uh, we're not going to do the whole walk off and come back on thing. We're just going to play so a couple more songs. So Good Grief the official set. Technically. And, okay. It doesn't even say that on Setlist FM, but he specifically said at the, at right after that song, you know, thanks. Uh, we're not going to do the walk off and come back on thing. We're just going to play our I last like three that. songs. The first time I ever saw that happen was with Bad, Bad Raiders. Raiders. And yeah. I I like it, but don't waste my time. What, yeah, yeah. What's the point? I just fucking just, just play a couple play more songs. The rest yeah. of the set. Yeah, that's fine. I don't need the formality of. Totally well, I, cool I guess if you got to run off and take a leak, fine. I get it, but like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, then do it then. But I really don't need the formality of you stepping off, knowing that you're going to come back in two minutes. Agreed. Um. So after good grief, uh, during that, you know, mentioning, hey, listen, we're just going to keep playing the uh, they play of the night which he mentions is technically the first or one of the first two bastille songs it's one that he had made and was on his original demo of two songs and uh, if i'm not mistaken there was some kind of lawsuit that got involved with it um and he kind of cracked a quick joke about it he was like i thought this was going to be one song it ended up being two songs on my first um my first ever uh demo that i did and he said it also ended up being two lawsuits on top of it so i don't Why? know i don't really know um i didn't look into it just you know i had work today and didn't have time to to really look into it too much i feel like i remember hearing that there was like some lawsuit but it was more or less frivolous kind of thing um i could, I could be totally was it over that, like plagiarism or something or like it's an excellent question i'll have to look that up okay. at some point i don't fully know but um Comes out plays of the night. Uh, one of their first songs that sort of they got some recognition on when they started release on uh, MySpace and a couple of these different sites, uh, which you know they were one of those first bands that really started to just kind of release some of their own stuff on the internet. Um, I won't say the first because this happened in 2010, but they're one of the the bigger bands that started out that way. Let's put it that way, um, and used MySpace as uh, sort of its its launching point. You I know. just thought of something. What's that? You know how we like to ask our listeners about um, something about the podcast. Like here you if go. it was a question, maybe like instead of looking it up, you're like, who can tell us more about this? Oh, here you go. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, follow <laughs> us on Twitter and tell us more about whatever this lawsuit is that he that he mentioned. I'm not even I'm not gonna do the research. You guys do the research I for me. I'm lazy. Pod. What's the story with that? Uh yeah, let us know here. Um, plays of the night, and then they play a uh, million pieces, which uh, is off obviously the the new album, the opener, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I should look that up before I run my mouth, but I'm ninety percent sure that's the first song off the album. Or you know, or you could ask them like, how do you feel about an artist? No, getting, quarter past midnight was. The first how song do you feel album. about an artist getting political at a concert? That might nah. be a, no. Yeah, that's. Just, I feel like that's just a can of worms that people are going to be fighting. Well, okay, yeah, if anybody actually ever notices the tweet, but you know. I feel like people would start arguing in the comment section about that. Because I think it's an interesting question. Like, do you like it or do you not? You know what? Uh, when we post this on Reddit, if anybody wants to, to add, answer yeah, that, how about yeah, that? Yeah, we want to know. Um, million Pieces, quite good. I was totally wrong. I don't know why I thought that it was the first one off the album when that was quarter past midnight. I just totally had a brain fart on that. Sorry, folks, anybody that listens to this. Um, that was really good. That was another moment of... Uh, audience participation where he had like did one of those all right when I point to you I need you to sing this and sings it and then points to us and then they do the whole oh that wasn't good enough and then I believe it was the keyboard said Boston didn't better did it better and I don't like that oh, that didn't sit snap. well with me you're on my shit list now I don't play that game let's go Yankees um, so after that we were even louder uh, I would like to think um, sang along so during the chorus for that uh, obviously everybody sang along now, it's about this time that I got to mention that throughout the night, standing in the general admission section, uh, occasionally a piece of confetti would be falling from the ceiling. Okay. And I figured Bastille takes me as a confetti band. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. And I figured this would be the moment that there would be confetti. There was no confetti the entire night. I was rather disappointed by that, actually. Maybe they just don't do confetti in the Hulu theater. Uh, there was confetti falling from the ceiling, so either they just didn't do it, or there had been some up there that was getting knocked off. But or I don't know, maybe got swept in from the arena above during the massive wall of confetti during the Tame Impala show. Could be that. Who knows? Yeah, could be. Do you really feel like you needed it though? I just I don't know. I was just weird. Uh, I I felt like Bestie was a confetti band, but apparently I'm wrong. 
anyway, after that digression, um, they finally played Pompeii, which is, you know, probably their biggest song. I would, well, you know, maybe not um, after Happier, but that was their breakout song. Let's say that. Okay. Um, as far as I, as far as I'm concerned, at least, it is definitely the song that I first discovered for them. Oh wait, I have a question when. about this lawsuit thing. So it wasn't a cover of the song "Rhythm of the Night," was it? This is a rhythm. You want to know what it is? He, he, um, oh. he uses that in the chorus, "Rhythm of the Night." That must be it. That's where the lawsuit. Because yeah, I see. And he starts with rhythm as, as a dancer and all that stuff. That's where so that came that, from. that okay, is. So yeah. that question is answered. So we can't really use that for Twitter now. Because well, we know the answer. Damn. Why would you look it up? Um, <laughs> we had a perfectly because good because I don't question. want people to be like, why don't you just look it up, you dumb bitches? Well, because we have Twitter to answer. I guess so. I just don't want them to yell at us. I don't know. Yeah, I think the political question is interesting. Because you it. even said that he called himself out and was like... He did. You don't want people like... Oh, that's right. That's the other thing I was going to say for a million pieces. I Thank you for tapping me on that right before he sang it in uh his last little chat with the crowd outside of saying you know hey this is our biggest song for pompeii you should all really get into it for a million pieces he goes what this song is supposed to be is now imagine you're at this great rave this awesome party you're having an amazing time and there's one fucking guy that keeps cornering you to complain about donald trump and he goes, now I know I kind of did that to you tonight, but you guys, <laughs> you guys get what I mean. You're just trying to have fun, and there's this one fucking guy that won't just let yeah. it be for a couple hours. And I'm like, you did kind of do that, but you only did it for like two minutes, so you're you're perfectly good. So he like, that was another moment where he called himself out on you know sort of doing some of those things, I which I like that. I respect. Question. Yeah. It's like I think some people can't stand it, no matter where they are yeah. on the spectrum, and I think some people. Uh, are open to it regardless of where then those are very few people that would mm. be me and then there are some people that are open to it if they're being told what they want to sure. hear yeah, which right. is, they're going to clap along to right it. if this is if they're going to if you're going to say I something i feel is a new york crowd generally. right if you're going to say something that i want to hear yeah i'm down for it and yeah. up here it's going to be something that's blue and in texas there's yeah. going to be people who are going to want to hear something that's red and then there's people that like 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 you said that just don't want to hear it either way and there's people that mirror just like whatever you know what i mean like i no. think it just depends i don't know i think it's a really interesting question all right well Toss that one up and see if there's any discussion um, on it. So anyway, so that was Million Pieces and Pompey Pompey lived up it to out. expectations. Oh yeah, of course. Okay. okay. So that officially that ends it, closes out the the final song of the set there. Um so overall, great time, great show, very well worth it. Um anybody gets a chance to see them, I, I'd highly, highly recommend it. Um if you see somebody that you want to see at the Hulu Theater, there's a lot worse places that you can go for a show. Pretty pretty well done. Pretty good time. I will say that too. Where are they playing next? Uh, next next spot is the twenty seventh. So as of this recording, this Friday, that's going to be at Mahegan Sun Arena in Connecticut. Uh, they're going to be in Richmond, Virginia, Columbus, Ohio, Detroit, Michigan, Chicago, Denver. They're just doing a U.S. tour. So keep your eyes peeled for them. They're going to hit the Midwest uh, around October. Uh, sneak up onto you know sort of Vancouver, Vancouver, Seattle. Uh, Berkeley, all that stuff. Um, a couple of days after that, um, they're they're probably gonna go through your state and the big city near you. So if you live in that city or if you're interested in them, I'd highly recommend grabbing some tickets, seeing the show. They're they're a very fun band live, and Joywave is still touring with them at this point. Cool. So, I mean, I feel like that pretty much wraps up that episode. Again, I would say. Uh, follow us on Twitter at High Decibels Pod. We're going to pose a question to you as we like to do, and perhaps we'll do that on Reddit as well. Um, yeah, why not? I'm championing uh, the uh, political discourse question, but uh, uh, James and I will have a powwow after this to uh, you know, make, a, make a final decision about that. And. Follow us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, iTunes as well. Oh, I'm sorry. Apple Pod. I always mess that up as well as Spotify. Final song that we're going to close out with. Uh, we're going to go with Good Grief, actually, by as the final song there. Did you do that for it me? Was, no, I did it because oh. it technically closed out their set. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> nah. So we'll go with Good Grief for that. Um, all right. Well, you know what? Good show and uh, good grief. And 
Thanks for listening to High Decibels Podcast, and we will talk to you later. Peace.